you don't have a Bible to you, you know, someone will bring one to you. Just raise your hand. All right, everyone there? You know, this parable gives us a good look into the, into the kingdom of heaven. Those of you who don't know, Jesus often used parables to explain in a simple way a heavenly truth. Um, is often referred to as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. These parables really give us a look into God's heart. Maybe not always the easiest to understand, um, but, you know, we have the Holy Spirit to, to give us that understanding. Um, so we'll read the parable first in chapter 20 um, and go over it, at, you know, just for as a face value. And then we'll go over the application and interpretation of it. So you guys ready? Uh, Matthew chapter 20, we'll read verses 1 through 7 first. Let's read. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, uh, he went, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one hired us. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. All right, first off, what is this parable about? First sentence, the kingdom of heaven. Does that get your attention? Should, huh? The kingdom of heaven. That phrase, kingdom of heaven, is found 32 times in the Bible, and all of those times are here in the Gospel of Matthew. You know, the theme of the Gospel of Matthew portrays Jesus as the Messiah, uh, but the under, an underlying theme was also the kingdom of heaven. Um, here are some examples of the phrase kingdom of heaven and how they were used in, in his word. Uh, you guys know John the Baptist. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, there's a couple of times, uh, uh, chapter three, verse two, and also four, chapter seven, or chapter four, verse seventeen, and also Matthew eighteen three. It says, "Assuredly I say to you, unless you are converted to become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven." Also in Matthew nineteen four, it says that the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And many times used in parables as well. Uh, the parable of the sower, the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the talents, and the parable of the wedding feast. So I'm sure you would agree that the Lord is trying to get uh, the audience attention, our attention as well today. Uh, so this parable is going to explain what? The kingdom of heaven. All right, he's doing good. Uh, the first character in this parable is the landowner. Uh, like I said, we're just going to go over face value. And this landowner has some work to be done in his land. Goes out early in the morning and hires laborers to harvest his vineyard. Gets these guys. It doesn't say how many they were, uh, but they make an agreement on how much they were going to get paid. What was their agreement? Denarius, right? A day. A denarii, a day was just an average day's wage for an honest day's work. Uh, these workers were going to earn an honest wage for a full day's work per their agreement, what they agreed upon. And at the end of verse 2, the landowner sends them off to get to, get to work. Verse 3, let's take it verse by verse. The landowner goes out at the third hour to, to the marketplace and, and found others standing idle, it says, and hires them as well. Now, all the background information I read said that uh, a normal day started at 6 a.m. and continued till about 6 p.m., 
12-hour shift. Kind of hard today to work 12 hours, huh? But a 12-hour shift back then uh, was normal. So at the start of this parable, the landowner picks up and hires the first guys at 6 a.m., and at the third hour, he hires a second crew. Uh, what's the difference between the first and the second crew other than the, other than the time they were hired? Anybody? The, how much? The, wor- the working hours were the same, but what they were going to get paid was not agreed upon, right? There was no agreement there. Um, the first crew had an agreement with the landowner for a denarii a day, and the second crew, they did not have such an agreement. But the landowner told them that they will receive whatever is right. Whatever is right. Kind of different, kind of different. Um, not the norm, I would think, even back then. Uh, today, if someone were to tell you that, tell you that, you'd probably be a little hesitant to go work for them. Uh, probably. I would. Um, trusting them to treat you fairly, um, as he told them that he was going to do. Uh, looking at the end of verse 4, it says, So they went. So they went. No discussion, no agreement. They just went. Uh, moving on to verse 5, it says that the landowner continued to go out the sixth hour and the ninth hour, and also did likewise. The sixth hour being 12 noon and the ninth hour being at 3 p.m. You know, the landowner did the same thing, went out and found some men to work in his vineyard and did the same thing, sent them out to work and told these men that he would pay them what was right, what was right. And as you re- we read earlier, he went out even at the 11th hour to find help. Now, what conclusion can you guys come up with about the landowner? You know, he goes out early in the morning at 6, the 3rd hour, the 6th hour, the ninth hour, and even the 11th hour. Um, you know, what's going on? this landowner. And there's there's uh, probably a lot of reasons why he's doing this. Um, going out and finding all these people uh, throughout the day to labor in his vineyard. It could be a lot of things. Like I said, uh, uh, he needs a lot of help. He probably needs a lot of help. Maybe the ones who were hired first weren't doing enough in his vineyard. Uh, the harvest was an important time for, for landowners. That could be a reason, urgency, to complete the job. Maybe he had plenty of, of work for the men that he hired, just a lot to do maybe. Um, and that could be a reason why he gave the men work. Whatever the reason was, the landowner was really diligent in making sure that the job was going to get done. You guys agree? He was really diligent at that. So finally, at the 11th hour of the day, it comes, and the landowner makes his uh, last trip to the marketplace and finds these guys there uh, that can help him out. So verse 6 says that they were standing idle. And it also said it uh, about the ones who were hired earlier at the third hour. Um, That that word idle, it's never really a good thing when you come across it in the Bible. Uh, It means to be free from labor or at leisure. So it's probably not really really great that these men were idle in the marketplace. And the landowner even questions them about it also. At the end of verse 6, he challenges them and asks them, why have you been standing here idle all day? You know, they gave him an answer um, that no one's hired them. No one's hired them. That's why they were there. I guess it's a somewhat of a good answer, huh? Uh, it doesn't seem like they were avoiding the work uh, because they, they eventually do go out and, and work in the vineyard. Uh, you know, if this was a standard 12-hour day, these men were going only going uh, to work how many hours? Just one hour, right? Uh, they weren't lazy because you, if they were lazy, they probably would have been like, you know, that's not going to be worth it. We'll probably only get paid a little. Uh, but they do go out. You know, they they wouldn't uh, have a 
backed off on the opportunity. Um, they also put some trust into the hands of the landowner to give them what was right at the end of the day. So there's some trust there to the landowner. You know, so the hiring's done. The day is almost over, and now comes a time for everyone uh, to get paid. That's always a good time. Huh? Uh, Payday is always something to look forward to. I mean, you work all week, and um, these laborers did all day, and they were going to receive their wages for the work they performed. So let's read about that. Verses 8 through 16. It's ready? 8 through 16. It says, So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. When those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received a denarius. And when they received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne born the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give you this last man. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last we first and the first last. For many are called and few chosen. Uh, let's take it verse by verse. Uh, evening comes, and the landowner of the vineyard uh, tells the steward to call all the laborers to give them their money, uh, but tells them to call them in, in a specific order, uh, starting from the ones hired last, ending with the ones hired first. If you had seniority back then, you'd be kind of upset, huh? You'd be like, I'm supposed to be first. Uh, that's not that was probably uh, not something the landowner was thinking about. Um, but the ones who were going to were hired last were going to get their money first. Um, verse nine says the laborers who were hired at the eleventh hour uh, came forward and received each a denarius for their one hour worked. The landowner was very very generous, huh? Very very generous. You have to notice. Uh, that the landowner didn't pay these guys in secret either. You would think the landowner would see the controversy coming at these guys receiving one hour's pay for a full, uh, one hour's work for a full hour's pay. Uh, because who was watching? Uh, in reference to verse 10, it says the laborers hired first were witnessing all of this because like it says, it, uh, it says they supposed they would receive more. You know, naturally because they worked 11 uh, more hours than they did. But how much did they receive? The same. The same as the one who were hired who were hired last. One denarii. Um, how did they respond when they received their pay? They complained against the landowner. And I'm not sure about you, but I would probably be right there complaining. Right alongside them. Uh, it's so prevalent today in our society to want to receive what we suppose is fair and just. We think it's it's just in our nature we think it's just in our nature to want to feel recognized or compensated for what we think we are worth. But I think these guys were somewhat offended as well. They used that phrase, you have made us equal. You have made them equal to us. To them, they weren't equal whatsoever because, like it said, they 
were burdened with the most of the heat of the day. They worked more. But to put it simply, they were exposed to the heat, to the sun, more than those other workers were. We worked more, so we deserved more. It's so easy to get caught up in that, huh? It's so easy. Uh, so there's a lot to learn from this parable. You know, they challenge the landowner. You know, let's read his response again. I think that's a really cool response. Verses 13 through 15. It says, But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for one denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to the last man the same as to you. I wish to give to the last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? The landowner answers their you know, equality issues with a straightforward answer. What have I done? What wrong have I done? Friend, what wrong have I done to you? Did we not have an agreement of one denarii? Isn't that what you received? And as you remember, the landowner only made one agreement, and that was with the laborers who were hired first. That agreement was all fine at the beginning of the day, but when that day was over, their feelings changed, correct? Uh, because of what someone else got. The landowner didn't break their agreement, didn't break his promise to pay them. He treated them fairly according to their agreement. But he gave no reason why he did what he did in any way. Other than, what, uh, this is what David Gutzik says about this. He says, the landowner did nothing to explain why he did it, other than simply to say, I wish. The reasons for the landowner's generosity were completely in the landowner himself and not in the ones who received. So it was totally up to the landowner to do what he wanted with his money. You guys want to do what you want with your money? Well, it's the Lord's money, right? But, but he decided to do what he want with his money. He tells the workers to take what is yours and go your way. The workers had no leg to stand on because they got what they had agreed upon. And the landowner was just to be generous. He just wanted to do good. He wanted to bless the other workers. But in doing good, he was viewed as unfair in the eyes of the burdened workers. And I think the main problem was that the workers weren't satisfied with what they got because of the landowner's decision to bless the other workers who only worked for one hour. They were jealous. And that's the end of the parable. And Jesus, sends, Jesus ends it in verse 16 with the words, the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few chosen. That verse is at the end of chapter 19 as well. In Matthew chapter 19, at the end of here in chapter, or at the middle here, chapter 20, uh, kind of like a little sandwich, kind of boxes everything in. And the main reason the commentators, uh, some commentators say that he gave this parable was in response to Peter's question in verse 27 of chapter 19. Let's read that real quick. Chapter 19, verse 27 of Matthew. Just one verse. It says, Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what will we have? Peter's crazy sometimes, huh? Asking, what are we going to get? Uh, what will we get since we left all to follow you? And, you know, that's one of the underlying lessons here we need to learn in studying this parable. Just breaking down the parable, who's the landowner? The Lord, right? 
uh, who are the workers? Us in the vineyard? The world, right? You know, as Christians, uh, what are we to be doing here on earth? Working for him, huh? Doing his, his work for the kingdom of heaven. You know, I can't help but go over these workers who are idle in the marketplace. Does that bug you? kind of bugs me a little bit. Uh, just a word. Uh, the work of the Lord cannot become idle in our hearts. We have to be ready every day to work for him. Uh, some of these guys burned a lot of daylight before the landowner came out and gave him a kick in the pants to get to work. Huh? Even if it's just an opportunity to do something for him which I think sometimes happens to us. We become idle or we aren't even working for the Lord at all. There are so many opportunities here and even outside the church to serve the Lord. Now, it doesn't have to be here. But if this is your you know, your home church and, and you're not part of the Lord's work here, um, you know, something had to give in my life and I think in yours as well. You know, we have to, to let the Lord lead all of us, but I but I could imagine after all that He's done for me to do, you know, absolutely nothing in response. And, you know, if you're not involved here in the ministry, you know, pray about it. Maybe the Lord has you has something here for you or somewhere else, something we're missing out on, something that I might be missing out on, um, you know, blessings even. Something the Lord also uh, kind of tugs at my heart about is, uh, you know, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough for him? You know, Colossians 3, uh, 23 to 24 says, whatever, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that the Lord will receive, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Working heartily for the Lord is something important to me. I know to a lot of you as well. So much we can be doing for the Lord, as I said a few times already. I just think the temptation to be idle is strong sometimes, and we can, we can get caught up in things that, that don't really matter. They're they're of no heavenly value. We really need to guard ourselves from idleness, uh, like this parable uh, shared. They seemed uh, to be a need for workers in the vineyard. There was a need. The landowner was in search of people to work. There was abundance of work, but there was a lack of response from the workers. Matthew nine thirty seven. I'm sure you guys know this. It says, "Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are, are few.' So I just say that we all need to to look at our lives, search our hearts, and to see if we are taking every opportunity to serve the Lord, in any way of our life. It could be at home, it could be at work, it could be here, uh, wherever it is. You know, nothing that stood out to me was the fact that that those workers who were hired first weren't pleased with what the landlord had gave them for their work. You know, as you all know, uh, sometimes that happens to us here in the ministry or even in our walk as, as Christians. It becomes like a competition sometimes in our service to the Lord, and that becomes an ugly thing. And just like those workers who felt offended because of what other people were doing, they thought they were getting ripped off, and, you know, and they complained. We can become so focused on, on me, 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 and what am, I, what am I getting, and we forget about the big picture. You know, should it matter to us if the Lord blesses or raises up someone in the church, we should, feel, we should not feel unappreciated at all. We should rejoice, right? We should rejoice. 
you know, that's our brother or sister in the Lord getting blessed. And those thoughts of why I didn't get to do this or that, those envious feelings that creep up sometimes shouldn't. And there there should be no complaining uh, whatsoever. We should be happy for whomever it is the Lord is using. You know, praying for them even. Whoever is the first or last shouldn't concern us. Uh, God's in control uh, of everything. Uh, here's what uh, Charles Spurgeon said about this. It's kind of long, so try to pay attention, okay? That's really good, though. Um, my last word to God's children is this. What does it matter, after all, whether we are first or whether we are last? Do not let us dwell too much upon it, for we all share the honor given to each. When we are converted, we become members of Christ's living body, and as we grow in grace and get the true spirit that permeates the body, we shall say, what shall we say when a member of it's honored? That this honor is for us. If any brother shall be greatly honored of God, I feel honored in his honor. If God shall bless your brother and make him ten times more useful than you are, then you see it that he is blessing you, not only blessing him, but you. If my hand has something in it, my foot does not say, oh, I have not got it. No, for if my hand has it, my foot has it as well. It belongs to the whole body. Bible talks about this in 1 Corinthians 12. It goes over how we're all one body and that the Lord gives out certain gifts to certain people in the body. And some get this, some get that, and how each member of the body is needed, the foot, the ear, the whole body is essential. Uh, I want to share one verse in there. Uh, it's in verse 26, I believe. Uh, but it says, But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You know, God help us not to become envious, uh, but to just stay focused on whatever the Lord has us to do. Uh, here uh, or elsewhere. And pray that we never complain or get involved in those, those silly disputes. They're silly, huh? Silly things. Uh, just being faithful to what the Lord has called you to do, and that's it. First Corinthians 4, 2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that won't be found faithful. It won't be found faithful. Um, the main interpretation, other than the fact that, uh, the fact that we're supposed to be working for the Lord, uh, is that it's all about God's grace. It's all about God's grace. The example Jesus gave the disciples here in this parable was simple. The workers who worked for one hour didn't have anything to do with what they would receive. The workers put themselves at the mercy of the landowner, and he chose to bless them, to give them grace. Uh, they couldn't do anything to receive it. It was totally the choice and decision of the landowner. It, it applies to us in every way. Um, we can do nothing in our own strength to receive uh, or get in right standing with the Lord. Uh, we can't do anything uh, physically. Um, he has done everything for us. The opportunities we have are because of his grace. The fact that we serve him is because of his grace. The abilities we have are because of his grace. I remember someone a long time ago told me um, that grace is God's unmerited favor. God's unmerited favor. 
The workers in the vineyard all earned the same thing, a denarii, no matter how many hours they worked. They received what the landowner thought was right. And just like, we, just like us, we can do nothing to receive the reward in our lives from the Lord. Um, salvation. We can do nothing physically. It's something that cannot be earned. It's all from God and his grace. Imagine if we were to get what we deserve. It's almost, I probably wouldn't be here right now if I got what I deserved. God's grace overflows our lives and should give us what, uh, that willingness to stand on that grace and that grace alone. Romans 5, 2 says, Through whom also we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Second Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here's one commentary said about grace. It's pretty cool. Uh, the grace of God does not give us more blessing than we deserve. It gives us blessing. It gives blessing to us completely apart from the principle of deserving. Living under grace is sort of a two-edged sword. Under grace, we cannot come to God complaining, don't I deserve better than this? We can't. Because God will say, does this mean you really want me to give you what you deserve? There, there's so much you can say about grace. Uh, some people give that acronym, um, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's good, too. Uh, the last verse of this parable where it says the last will be first and the first last is really awesome as well. There's going to be a lot of surprises in heaven um, because of his grace. Uh, he's so generous to us. His grace is going to be nothing like we've ever seen before. The system of grace is somewhat foreign to us. God deals with us according to who, who he is, not who we are. God will never be less than fair, but reserves the right to be more than fair as it pleases him. God's grace operates righteously. When we stand before the Lord, we will be treated and rewarded fairly uh, based on who God is, not who we are. Amen? Uh, grace is a hard thing to get an understanding of. I've heard a lot of studies on it sometimes uh, because it's not really seen in our world. Grace. But when you read this parable like this and you know the Lord and have a relationship with him, uh, there's that desire to focus on it too much. Um, you know, going back to the parable, you understand right now when I said focus on it too much. Going back to the parable on those guys who were hired last, what do you think their reaction was when they received the denarii for one hour? Think they were jazzed? Pretty excited, huh? Uh, but uh, I, know, I know one of them, I know it's a parable, but just putting myself in that place. Uh, they're probably thinking, you know what? We can probably go back tomorrow and chill out the marketplace and wait till 5 o'clock and get hired again and get a nari, right? Did that evil thought just come into my head or are you guys thinking it too? <laughs> just thinking it too. <laughs> but what is that, though? And they're going to try to take advantage of the landowner's generosity. 
and grace for giving them something they don't deserve. You know, that sometimes creeps into our hearts and our walks with the Lord uh, also. You know, hey, his grace is there. It's okay if I sin this once or, or this time if I do this thing. And that's a scary place to be. Because you are willfully taking advantage of the Lord's grace. Um, big time. You know, God, God knows our hearts. Uh, he knows uh, yours and mine. Uh, so he knows our intentions and, and motives for everything we do every day. But we cannot be at that place where we're living on the edge. You know, I'm not saying that God's grace is going to go away. It's always there, right? It's always there. Uh, but there's that responsibility to live a life of holiness after we give our lives to the Lord. Uh, not perfect, um, but just a responsibility. But just really trying to live our lives for him, knowing that the grace is there, but by no means taking advantage of it. You guys understand? And the book of Romans goes over this, puts it really clear. Romans 6, verses 1 through 2, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Okay, I wanted to, to end uh, with the reading verses 17 through 19. Here in Matthew chapter 20. Okay, let's read those. 17 through 19. It says, now Jesus, now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be, be, will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn, condemn him to death, and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And the third day he will rise again. And this is the third time that Jesus shares with the disciples about his death and resurrection. The first time was in Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 21 through 23. This is where, where Peter rebukes him for saying that. Um, you guys remember that, correct? And the second time was in Matthew uh, 17, verses 22 through 23. And it says there that the disciples were greatly distressed. And here being the last time, the third time. Jesus takes the disciples aside on the road and tells them what's going to happen. Betrayed, condemned to death, mocked, scourged, crucified. But the last one's pretty cool, huh? Rise again. Rise again. You know, I thought that it was really fitting how the Lord was sharing with them about the kingdom of heaven and, and how his, and how about, about grace and eternal life uh, was going to be given out to them and us. But here, in these last few verses, it shows them where it's going to come from, from the cross. You know, that, that grace continues to be there for all of us. You know, who are following him, but it continues to be there for those of you who haven't received that free gift. Now, I know all of us know that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And we know what our life is. In James chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And like we had went over before, you know, how does this parable start? 
the kingdom of heaven is like. And some commentators uh, gave it the interpretation of this parable, uh, you know, as people come to the Lord in different stages of their life, um, hearing his call and then serving him, going to work in his vineyard. Some come uh, early in their life. You know, they work a lot for the Lord uh, during the heat of the day, so to speak. And uh, some come later in their lives, some at the third hour, some at the sixth hour, some at the ninth hour, and some even right before the end of the day, the eleventh hour. I think both interpretations apply and really can help us. Uh, But in this interpretation, uh, do we really want to risk the day running out, the day ending? You know, if you're uh, that laborer who has been walking with the Lord for a long time um, in the heat of the day, you know, praise the Lord for that. Um, You've had a lot of time to to learn about him, to spend time with him, to develop that relationship with him. Um, Or even at the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour. You guys know where I'm going with this, right? But if you're that laborer standing idle in the marketplace at the 11th hour, you know, that hour is coming when the day is going to be over. Uh, the grace of the cross is waiting for you to receive. That verse in this section that says, for many are called, last verse in, in verse 20, for many are called but few chosen, uh, gives us that reason to respond to God's call of repentance and salvation. Uh, God's calling many, but only few respond to his call. Um, kind of a mon- mind-boggling thing, right? How God's always pursuing us, but only few respond. Um, you know, a crazy thing. You know, I kind of made the made the mistake. Um, I don't know. Uh, the first service of ending, kind of like on a downer, I guess. You know, but it should it shouldn't be right. We should rejoice that that opportunity is there. It's it's a great. It should be. Put a smile on your on your face if you haven't received the Lord. I said free gift. J- just respond. And you know when I came to the Lord. Oh no, before I came to the Lord, you know I thought this church wanted something from me, money or something. But it's not so. Uh, the ministry here is just to point you to the Lord, and, and get your relationship started off with Him. And if the Lord takes you somewhere else, great. But it's your salvation that that this church is focused on. That's it, and and it, it's, it's it's awesome, isn't it? It's awesome. So, um, you know, if you if you're not walking with the Lord, that that decision is up to you. You know, no one's going to force it upon you. It's your decision, a personal decision. Um, but we're to help. We're here to help you out in that in that walk. Um, Let's pray, guys. Now, Lord, we come before you, Lord, just thanking you so much, Lord. Rejoicing in the fact, Lord, that you um, are here. Um, that you're listening, Lord. That you're uh, uh, here, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for, for blessing our time together Lord, in your word. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this parable, Lord, how it gives us so much to learn from, Lord. Uh, so many examples that we can apply to our lives, Lord. 
The main thing, Lord, is just your grace, Lord, how it abounds, Lord. How it's so plentiful to us, Lord. How it's offered to every single one of us, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that we don't get what we deserve. That we get eternal life, Lord, because of your son, Jesus Christ. Um, and just praying, Lord, for anyone here, Lord, that, that might not be walking with you, Lord, that wants to give their lives to you, Lord. Um, I pray that they make that decision, Lord, uh, to, to give their lives to you, Lord. Absolutely no strings attached, Lord. Just giving their lives to you, Lord. Um, just praying, Lord, for all of us, Lord, who are currently walking with the Lord. We thank you, Lord, for saving us, Lord. Uh, for giving us an opportunity, Lord, to, to be here, Lord, to, to serve you, for serving, Lord, or even out and about, Lord, telling people about Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord. Uh, we love you, Lord. Um, Again, Lord, praying for our pastor. I think he's doing the, the third service right now. Lord, pray you use him, Lord, in a mighty way. Speak through him, Lord. We thank you for him so much. And I just pray you be with us as we go, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys.